0: joining us, uh, who's been waiting so patiently, from his brand-new digs in Dulwich Hill, the man himself, uh, the voice of football in this country, Simon Hill. Welcome, mate. How are you, guys? Good to be with We're you. We're OK. Uh, we hope you're safe. Can I just say the most exciting thing for me, uh, watching 10's coverage of the Melbourne Cup, was the first ad after the race. And yep. can I just say the most exciting thing I've seen... It was a major show of commitment by the network. And for those of you that missed it, I mean, the whole of Australia normally watches the uh, Melbourne Cup race. The minute the race finished and they did their their obligatory uh, rap with the the jockey and the owners, they went straight to their commercial break and it featured what, Simon?
1: Featured the A-League ads, um, which is terrific. You know, that's the sort of exposure obviously, that we've been wanting as a sport on a free-to-air network, uh, particularly primetime, which this was, of course, been the Melbourne Cup. Uh, and that's what, you know, Channel 10, Network 10 and Paramount Plus will bring us over the coming months and the next uh, five years. So it's it's only a small part of a very big story, obviously. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's terrific. And, um, you know, hopefully some of those people who saw the ads, who maybe, you know, were unaware, thought, oh, OK, I might tune into that.
0: My my wife was sitting alongside me, looked at me, and she said, now that's a
1: statement. Mm. Yeah, well, it is. And, you know, they've invested a lot of money. Um, and, you know, they're, they're mad keen, as I've said to you before. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of work to do uh, to get this game back going, you know, where we need it to be. Um, but all this stuff helps. And I think the fact that you've seen, you know, A-League players, uh, both men and women, featured on, on other shows such as The Project, uh, and, and and whatnot. I, th- I think it's, again, it's, it's seeping into the mainstream consciousness, which is, you know, with the greatest respect, um, something that we've not had before. So uh, I think it's terrific. And as I say, it's only part of the story. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of hard work to be done elsewhere because, you know, unlike other sports, we're, we're not probably part of the mainstream culture here. So we've got to try and embed ourselves in that. Uh, and at the same time, you know, bring the bring the football fans along for the ride. They have to be the priority um, to get those people back in the stadiums and back watching on TV. Um, but this all helps.
0: And uh, can I just say, the imagery and the storytelling of that particular ad uh, for me tells the whole story. I spoke to Jeff Bullock a number of weeks back, and he said to me, "Mate, we're we're going young. We're going to catch the catch the next generation of football um, fans." And uh, this ad. Just covers it beautifully from one end of the spectrum to the other. And even the old guy who had to return the football in the ad does it beautifully, you know, straight through, kicks it right in the high dental diddle, diddle and makes sure yeah, the that's, kid that's got. That's
1: me and you, George. Yeah. That's me and you,
0: the old <laughs> but If I did that right now, I'd pull a hammy. So stop, <laughs> stop that stuff. But quite serious, Josh, what did you make of it? Uh, again, f- f- more directed towards you and others. Uh, that was a serious statement from 10. And as uh, Simon alluded to, this is just the beginning. They're going to roll out a whole series of, of things that, um, and strategies. And the FFA Cup, uh, November is going to be huge. And what a prep and a teaser for the A-League start uh, later in the year.
2: Oh, I thought it was great. I love the focus on fan culture and sort of match day experience and connecting to that. And also, I mean, just the universal experience of losing the ball over the fence. That's a, kind of a, a grassrootsy <laughs> idea. And we talk about trying to connect the grassroots to the top. I think sometimes symbolic stuff like that can be just as helpful as some of the larger reforms that the game's been after.
1: Totally agree.
2: But the FFA um, Cup, that's, that's the
0: FFA Cup, Simon's going to be a bit huge, isn't it? These, your commitment to FFA Cup.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we started that already. Obviously, um, you know, I've, I've called a couple of those games. There's another one coming up um, on Saturday, Mount Druid Town against Wollongong Wolves. Um, and then there's a, there's a big game in your neck of the woods next next Friday, South Melbourne against Melbourne City, which, you know, is, is the sort of fixture really that the cup is all about. Um, you know, the storied uh, club fr- from the past, not, not that they're, you know, in history, they're, they're very much part of the present as well. Uh, and and the money club of of the A-League at the moment. So, you know, the the FFA Cup offers us such a great narrative. And obviously, uh, probably because of COVID to a large extent, these early rounds are going to run parallel to the start of the A-League and give people a window on the MPL clubs as well, which I actually think is... I know Greg Griffin's had a bit of a whinge this week saying, oh, you know, it's unfair on the MPL teams having to play so far out of season. Well, yes, that's true. Um, but that's that's due to the pandemic as much as anything else. And the good thing about it is, because it's going to run concurrently with the A League, people are going to get a window on the MPL clubs as well uh, if they if they're you know tuned into football around that time. And that all goes well, I think, for the introduction of the National Second Division, which you know we we all hope is is not too far away. They keep talking about it. At some point, they've got to do it. Also, it's not going to happen. They can't just keep having, um, you know, g- committee chats. Uh, so at some point, hopefully, you know, that that, that will uh, jump on board as well. And then we've got a proper connected pyramid. Um, and those grassroots that, um, you know, Josh was talking about will have a pathway up to the top level as well. That's, that's the plan anyway.
0: There's been a lot of positive press and a lot of good stories from around the world embracing young Josh uh, Cavallo. And he's putting his hand up and saying, I am who I am and I love my sport and I want to play it encumbrance-free or tension-free. And um, it's been received uh, uh, amazingly well and let's hope it continues to be. Uh, What have you made of it? Watching all the international clubs putting their hand up and saying, well done.
1: Uh, Well, it's, it's obviously it's something that probably shouldn't need to be done Correct. Um, yep. You know, we're, we're at the point in time where uh, in 2021, it beggars belief that he's the only openly gay player in, in a top division of, of senior football around the world. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping that it will be the first of many and it will just become normalised. Yeah. Um, it's. I, I thought it was courageous by Josh to come out because and everybody said, oh, we don't, you know, there's been some criticism. We don't need to know. It's between, you know, him and... and uh, his family or, or or whoever. But the fact that it did cause such a reaction tells you exactly why it was such a big thing for him uh, to come out. And I spoke to Josh. I was fortunate enough, Adelaide United asked me to write the story for um, uh, Channel 10. So, uh, you know, I, I knew that this was coming a, a few days before it happened. I did a, a long interview with, with Josh um, and, and was hugely impressed. You know, he'd, he'd obviously taken a long time to think about whether or not to do this. Mm. Um, but it, it's clearly been a huge weight off his shoulders. And, you know, it's, it's all those little things of, of being in a changing room. We, we all know that football changing rooms, you know, they're quite macho places. Mm. Um, he said it was all the banter of, you know, who you're seeing, who's the lucky girl, all that sort of stuff. And he felt he was having to avoid all those conversations and basically live a lie, which is not pleasant for anybody. No. So... I, I think the fact that he's now, um, you know, open to be who he is, and, and I, I never thought he would have a problem in Australia, to be honest. Certainly not with his teammates, certainly not in the football community. Uh, you know, we're a very inclusive game. Um, and I hope, as I say, that that just opens the door a crack to uh, to allow others, because the law of averages suggests that there must be many, many more. Oh, yeah. um, but at the moment, they don't feel confident enough to, to be able to come out and say, look, this is who I am because of the macho culture of the sport. So I think it's a very important thing that he's done. I applaud him for it. And also, just on a personal level, I I didn't really know Josh until I did that long interview with him. He's a super kid. Um, And, you know, very funny and uh, very self-deprecating. And he's also a decent player as well. He had a very good year last year with Adelaide United. So credit to him and credit to the Reds as well, who obviously, you know, put their arms around him and said, uh, look, it's okay, we're with you, we'll support you. And, uh, we, you know, we'll be there if there's any blowback. So uh, terrific stuff. Great story.
0: Absolutely. Made even better by the fact that Carl Viet and uh, Ross Aloisi also, also told the world just how they could see the weight lifting off his shoulders. And then yeah. you have the likes of the powerhouses uh, like Barcelona and Liverpool, Jürgen Klopp saying what a smart young man and uh, must be a good footballer too, and it was just wonderful. And that's that's resonated. And I and I take the point that you made, I think it will help an awful lot of people and it may well save some lives. Uh, it could do, George. Incredibly. It
1: could do. And, you know, the, the fact that those big characters, uh, Jürgen Klopp, Antoine Griezmann, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Gerard Piquet. Yeah, PK, Yeah. Uh, even even in the entertainment world, Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. You know, who probably doesn't know Josh Cavallo from a bar of soap, um, but you know they, they they learned about the story and wanted to uh, to pass on their uh, their thoughts and and support. You know that that shows the global power of football. And you know we we, we might be a long way from the heartland in Europe, but. Um, We're still connected to it. And, you know, what Josh has done hopefully will have positive ramifications for years to come.
0: Speaking of things that are really getting us excited, uh, we're only weeks away now, mate, days away from uh, an A-League start and, of course, the FA Cup this weekend, FFA Cup this weekend and other uh, things that are happening behind the scenes. Uh, You must be very excited because the team now is is almost finalised. There will be a couple of other faces, I dare say. Is that right?
1: Uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm sure there will be one or two more that will, will pop up over the next couple of weeks. I don't think I'm quite at liberty to say who they are. but no, that's fair be.
0: enough. That's fair enough. And um, yeah. uh, what have you made of the, uh, the banter with um, uh, Daniel Sturridge and half of Twitter? Uh, you know, <laughs> he's in quarantine at the moment. He's had to rearrange his room about 50 times, but he thinks he's got it just about <laughs> where it needs to be, and he's still still can't understand why double vax and he he has to he has to follow the obligatory 14-day quarantine period in WA and then I, a lot of people have responded to him saying that's not australia mate
1: yeah look it's you know obviously i feel for him because he is double vax and he's tested negative and i think yep. he's having two tests every day or yep. whatever it is yep. i mean it's a tough thing to have to do but you know, to be perfectly fair, there is a reason why uh, uh, WA has zero COVID. Mm. And that's part of it. Um, you know, here in New South Wales, we were uh, a little bit more lax than that. And yeah. unfortunately, had, you know, a massive outbreak, thanks to one person, mm. um, which ended up costing people, you know, uh, their lives. So mm. I get it. Um, at some point in the future, you know, we're all going to have to, I mean, we're, we're starting to come out of this, and, and you're the same in Victoria, you know we we, we have uh, taken a policy decision that we've got to we got to live with this. Yep. Um, however, you know we we've got nearly 90% of people double vaxxed in New South Wales and I think you're at about eighty eighty two 82% in Victoria. Mm. Mm. They're a bit behind that in in WA. I think it's about 65%. So, you know the, the quicker uh, we we get to the, that 70 80% vaxxed across the country, um then the quicker we can start opening up. But I, I do feel for Daniel. It must be hellish, frustrating. Um, but you know, you look at his homeland, my homeland as well. Yeah. Uh, the UK, mm. you know, they've had 165,000 deaths from this, and they've got 80% people vexed. So if you don't get this right, people die. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not we're not messing around here. Everybody says, oh, it's only the flu. Well, for no, a lot no, no, of people, it might be, but it's no, no. For, for others, it's not look so we must we, have we to must take it seriously
0: i was going to say we must also add the, the fact that new south demographics and uh, the way the the city works in new south wales and sydney works and the same in victoria the 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 people who do work the blue collar workers in new south wales and in victoria very different uh, set up in, in WA. they don't have that that uh, that density of living they don't have those numbers And I think they've been very fortunate in that regard. And and, and I'm not not saying anything untoward, but that's helped them enormously. They've they've got lucky, but there's also reasons for that. New South Wales, huge numbers of people living close together, living, uh, you know, not two in a home, but half a dozen and others. And that's normal. That's part of the cultural mix of modern Australia. But, uh, you know, there's no one reason why WA is free, there are many reasons, and yeah. and we've got to go down that pathway well, again. Can
2: I can I drag us away from three AW George and talk go. about Daniel Sturridge the player? Because Simon, um, it must be a, a thrill for you to have the prospect of calling him this season. Are you, are you already formulating the lines in your head for a, you know his first goal and so forth? Man
0: City
1: man, oh, ex Man City man, he's got all the lines sorted. Yeah, well, of course he he was a Man City player and, and Chelsea and Liverpool as well. He played for some big clubs. Uh, no, look, I can't say that I've got a line in my head as yet, but uh, <laughs> you know, when when I first do a Perth game, um, I'd, I'd love to be over there for his debut. I mean, I, I've written today on the Footyology website about the you know the plan to fill the park, which I think is a great initiative from Perth Glory. Uh, we need more of that, and I'm sure a lot of people will be drawn you know, by Daniel Sturridge. It's not all about him. You know, Perth have got some other good players as well, notably Bruno Fauna, Roli, mm. um and one or two others. But uh, yeah, of course, you know, marquee names, they help. I don't think they're the panacea. No, um, no. But occasionally the, the, the odd sugar hits here and there, I think can do wonders for a competition and just attracting those, uh, those peripheral fans who might not otherwise come on a regular basis. So I think they have a part to play. Uh, Daniel's a terrific player. Uh, you know, I hope his, his body's right and Mm. I trust that his attitude is right. He's said all the right things so far. No reason to doubt him. Uh, and if he is fit and on form and he gets the right service, let's be honest, he'll score a bag full in in the A-League. So, uh, I'm looking forward to watching him and, um, you know, but I'm just in general, I'm, I'm looking forward to the season starting.
0: Uh, By the way, by the way, uh, victory, Victory have looked like they've filled Amy Park for the opening game against Raw. What do you make of that? Terrific.
1: Absolutely wow. brilliant. That's what we need. We need fans back in the stadiums, packing the joints out, making noise. We saw with the Matildas, even though there was only, what, 12 15,000 there inside uh, Combank Stadium against wow. Brazil, the noise that the fans made, the proper rectangular stadium, a good playing surface, cool conditions so we can, you know, play fast-paced football. That's the, the ideal recipe for our league. We get those things right more often than not. And it's tricky because, you know, we know we share stadiums with the other codes and we know we play in summer where it tends to get very hot in Australia. So it's not always ideal. But more often than not, if we can get the, the conditions right for the fans to turn up and make the noise we know they can, then we've got such a good product, both men's and women's. Um, It's about showcasing it in the right way. Channel 10 and Paramount Plus will help to get it to that bigger audience. We've got to do our bit as a sport to ensure that we put our prettiest face on on a Saturday or Sunday or whenever it is. Fantastic stuff. Josh?
2: Yeah, I was just going to ask, Simon, there's been some major changes to the final structure this season, just announced two-legged semifinals. Are you you pleased with that outcome? I mean, you know, the one-off games have produced quite a lot of drama, but... Uh, maybe gives the sides finishing first and second place a little bit more of a chance to assert themselves and not see their their season fall away over the course of ninety minutes
1: I much prefer the two legged semi finals to be honest, if I had my way, I would have all the finals over two legs i th- I think that 's fair uh, you get the home leg second if you finish higher up you know that 's mm-hmm. your advantage um, but look this, this is a start um, I, I think you 're right that it rewards those teams that finish uh, higher up by giving them a, a bit of a second chance in case they have an off day. I remember, I think, season seventeen eighteen, Sydney FC won the premiership by goodness knows how many points. A Melbourne victory, you know, beat them 3-2 in extra time. It was a terrific finals match. Um, but one one off game in Sydney were out uh, which seemed you know a bit unfair at the time but you know equally the year after Vic- victory won it from finishing fourth on the ladder. Now that can still happen. that's the beauty of fin- finals football, but I do think it should be weighted towards uh, the teams that finish you know one and two because that's your reward for finishing higher up. I'd like to see the return of the preliminary final, but, um, mm. yeah, people people don't seem to like that concept <laughs> here. But I, I, I like the old system of the finals, but there you go. Yeah, yeah old habits die hard, Simon.
0: <laughs> Mate, thank you once again for uh, making yourself available. Uh, good luck. I, I understand you've got a very busy uh, day uh, uh, still running, and uh, we're going we're to uh, thank you very much for joining us. Wish you all the very best. And we're hearing you've got some important calling coming up uh, because – The Americans are coming down under late in November. And that's the first time in about 20 years we're going to see the might of American women's football uh, coming down under to take on the Aussies.
1: Yeah, 21 years uh, the last time they were here. Um, November the 27th in Sydney, November the 30th in Newcastle. Uh, Both games obviously be screened on Network 10. And before that, of course, we've got the big World Cup qualifier next next week. Uh, Soccer is against Saudi Arabia, which is going to be Absolutely huge. And, again, that's in Parramatta. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting it all, uh, you know, kicking off on a regular basis. Can't wait.
0: And, and just before I let you go, um, Antonio Conte just taken over Tottenham.
1: Good move by Spurs. Uh, I, I think Manchester United might have cause to regret that, to be honest, at some point. Look, he, he's a proven winner. Um, he's, he's won titles at, at Chelsea. Tyler's with Inter. Obviously, he's got a bit of work to do with with Tottenham to get yep. them up to that level. Um, but I, I think that's a, a super important. I do feel sorry for Nuno Espirito-Santa. I think it's it's very harsh to get rid of a you know a, a coach after just uh, 17 games. But mm. uh, if you're going to get rid of him, then bring in the best. And uh, Conte is, is certainly that.
0: Thank you once again, mate. Cheers, guys. All the best.